Radio Curtain Network. What's up, Steeler fans? Welcome back to another post-game show, the first post-game show of 2023 regular season. I'm Jeff Hartman, one of the three hosts. Joining me, as always, from the Steel Curtain Network, Dave Schofield. What's up, Dave? Oh, come on, Jeff. What's up is the pain. The pain of the anticipation of the 17 days from the last time the Steelers were on the field for the eight months <laughs> since it really mattered. Yeah. when they were on the field and that's how they responded that it, it hurts we'll get to knee jerk reactions let's bring brian davis in brian what's up wow for the first time i would have rather been at bed bath and beyond with my wife and bed bath and beyond is completely closed as an organization so there you go <laughs> yeah i mean i i'd rather yeah. be there oh, i know for sure for sure okay we always start these off the same way. This is the first game of the regular season, but we're going to still stick with it. And we're going to do knee-jerk reactions, which is an article you can find right now at steelcurtainnetwork.com in case you want to get uh, Big Bro Sco's knee-jerk reactions from the game. We'll start with you, Dave. What was your knee-jerk reaction after the 37-32-7 drubbing to the San Francisco 49ers? Well, our, our hopes and our ambitions for this team was given quite a reality check. As I was saying a lot going up to the game, is this is one of, if not the best opponent the Steelers would face, much like you know when they faced the Bills and the Eagles last year. And it had a very similar feeling to those games, which is not what I expected out of this year's Steelers team. I wanted them, you know, at least be in the game. And I thought if they're in the game, they could pull something out. But very very disappointing with the uh, reality check of the Steelers' young quarterback. Very inaccurate today. So just a lot of things not working together, despite playing in three different preseason games this year. All right, Brian, what's your knee-jerk reaction? They're not there. Definitely not there. And I, I got to tell you, when I saw the Jets sweep, that did not work with Calvin Austin when that was just blown up right away. It just seemed to me, this is the second play of the game. I'm thinking, yep, they've scouted this team. Well, they know exactly what's going on. They are completely ready for this team. S O S same old Steelers S O S O same old Steelers offense. Yeah, this was Dave said it. And I titled the post game article that I wrote. It, this was a reality check for the Steelers. I, I do believe that. And I will say right off the bat, and I've said this on it feels, it feels like a million podcasts this week. A season is not one week. You know, this isn't a playoff game. It, there is a room for improvement. And right now everything sucks. It just sucks. Every well, We're going to talk about the statistics and break it down like we always do. But for a team, for a city, for a fan base that was riding as high as they were coming off the preseason, this was a slap in the face. The San Francisco 49ers come to your town across country. Not that that matters so much in week one, but still they have the travel aspect and they take it to you in every possible way. It's a reality check. The question is, is how are they going to respond? In which case we'll be talking about that a lot on the Steel Curtain Network throughout the week. So make sure you check us out wherever you get your podcasts just by searching Steelers or Steel Curtain Network. All right. Okay, so I want to ask you all about a, one aspect of this game before we start diving into the statistics and something we talked about briefly before we came on the air. 
And everyone said, how, what do y'all think? I said, honestly, if I'm being honest, I'm sitting on my couch. I got a computer ready. I'm watching the game. And I all of a sudden see on Twitter, Steelers win the toss and defer and put the offense on the field first. And I said to myself, because my daughters wouldn't understand, I hate this decision. I just, they, they introduced the defense. I understand the philosophy of wanting to get your offense out there and make a statement. I, I, and I've, I have, let me also say before I throw it to you guys, there have been times in the Steelers recent history where I have said, I'm totally on board with them taking the ball to start. I am. This was not one of them. I hated this decision. It just seemed like from there, everything unraveled. Dave, you said you wanted to kind of explain things. I'll give you that opportunity first. Well, and it's not that I would have done it otherwise. I've always been a defer person because I like having the extra possession potentially in the second half. There's no guarantee it'll be an extra possession, but you can't have an extra possession if you don't start with the ball. So I would rather have that extra possession in, in the second half. But I also understand that if you're like, well, you got this young offense that just went five for five in the preseason. The last thing I want to do is hand them the ball and they're already down. Let's see what they can do when it's zero, zero and not that they're having to fight to come back or anything to start. If that was the mentality, I understood why they did it. Personally, I still wouldn't have done it, but I, I can see why. Okay. Brian, what's your thought on it? I'm always a defer guy too. In this situation, look, they were looking to ride that momentum from five for five and three and zero. Oh, and if they do, and they get out of the blocks first, especially up seven to nothing, that changes the game plan to a little bit. Starting out for San Francisco, and it puts a guy like Brock Purdy behind the. Uh, behind the eight ball a little bit then they have to just like dave said then they have to come back the other knee-jerk reaction i have is you know brock purdy's we've been poo-pooing and everybody's been poo-pooing oh it wasn't for real he must be for real i think he is for real after seeing this i mean he he faced some rushes he faced he got the ball out when i thought he was going to get nailed but he was able to get it out. This is how this, this defense is set up. This defense is definitely set up. Excuse me. This offense is definitely set up to get that ball out fast. And just like it looked like Ben Roethlisberger from his last season in Pittsburgh, where you're getting it out quick, but he has the guys on offense that are able to help with that, especially a guy like Christian McCaffrey. And now Brandon Ayuk. Wow. Yeah. I, I said this uh, on a podcast I did this week that Ayuk was I, – I, I like his game so much. I actually like it more than Debo Samuel. And, boy, he proved me right, unfortunately, this week. Let's get to some Super Chats. Tom Muir, Tom Plays Games, gives us $2. Said they crapped the bed in all phases. Must be better. That is a great way of describing it. Offense, defense. I, I will say there were some bright spots on some special teams aspects, but coaching even, yeah, it was awful. Let's get Wilson Pava gives us four ninety nine. He said Canada made a bad day worse. Improvement is key, and there's hope. Trent Jordan Wad still have faith in Kenny Pickett. Even after this game, it's just one game. 
Yeah, it's just one game. That is fact. I mean, some people are going to draw some really harsh conclusions. And the one thing that we try to avoid here after we do the knee-jerk reactions to start the show is to go and jump to those crazy conclusions. We like to look at this from a statistic perspective. We like to break the game down in every which way possible. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. Dave, what were you going to say? Oh, I'll just just go to – it's funny. that It's the, you know, Canada crap the bed, Kenny Pickett – I still got faith in him. I'm kind of the other way around. I, it wasn't that the Steelers had bad plays. I mean, I know people want to – technically it wasn't a jet, jet sweep. It was a pass um, on the second play of the game. Um, but it was that moving in that direction. It, it wasn't considered a run. Um, but, you know, you know, even take that side. It was more the execution of stuff. I mean, when you have guys open and you're just not hitting them and – and things were just off target, it's really hard to say that it was a bad play call more than it was just terrible execution. They looked really unprepared. There were certain times uh, where you could tell, if you saw a pass, right? wow, that wasn't even close, where maybe Kenny Pickett is thinking, this receiver is going to sit down in the zone, and the receiver keeps running. That's one of those miscommunications that happen, and I know week one, but that's practice stuff. That is the, okay, here's the look they're giving us. I, I, I know. So let's get this next one up there. Andrew Palladino gives us $5, so I'll bring up his next comment, which is right mm-hmm. here. He writes, can't think of a worse home opener loss since the Steelers got blown apart by the Brownies in the 1989 season opener at Three Rivers, 51 to nothing. I was trying to think of a game where, I mean, the Steelers didn't even have a first down until the 95-yard yeah. touchdown drive at the end of the first half. Yeah. Could you all think of a game other than maybe the one that Andrew just noted that was that lopsided and that ugly? Well, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they, we talked about the Dallas one, right, Brian, from, from 97. We talked about that on the preview. Wasn't there a really bad one with the Ravens in there? Yeah, so oh, yeah. there there was a really yeah. bad one. That one was not at home, but on September 11th of hmm. – it was on the 10th anniversary, so it was in 2011. Yeah. And – that was another good Steelers team that ended. Oh, he up did say home opener. Sorry, very well. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that was on the road. But that was like yeah. thirty-five to seven. The yeah. the Dallas game of not just ninety-seven. That mm-hmm. and that was a team that ended up in the AFC Championship game. The uh, I believe it was thirty-seven to seven in ninety-four. It was. it was a home opener against Dallas. They ended up in the AFC Championship game. Um, there was another game that was a road game as well. It was Jacksonville in 2001. They ended up in the AFC championship game. Look, I'm not looking at the comments right now because I'm doing some other stuff, but I, I'm not saying that this is an AFC championship team. This was my final thoughts, but since that was brought up, I'm going to say this real quick. We're, I'm not throwing in the towel after one game though, but they were not prepared for this game and they looked just as bad as they did in those games that I noted, and those are four playoff teams that they came out out of the gate just, like Tom says, crapping the bed. And he said all phases of the game, but hey, if you just crap the bed once, that's bad. Yeah, that's yeah, messy. It is. Um, okay, let's get to some more Super Chats here. Uh, Steel Dog 88 gives us $5, said people are quick to blame Canada, but when Kenny Pickett has no chance to pass, what more can you do? The offensive line is something we will definitely be talking about during this game or during the recap of this game, I should say. Uh, Let's get 
Crystal Privet gives us $2. The running back rotation drove me crazy. Find an identity. Ah, that's a good point. I like that point. Uh, thank you very much for the tip. We appreciate it. Tyler W. gives us $5. Optimistic take. Starting 0-1 instead of 1-0 means we're going to start off 3-1 instead of 1-3, right? I love your optimism, Tyler. I love your optimism. But the, uh, the road doesn't get much easier um, on Monday night or with a Cleveland team that just shellacked the Bengals at home in week one. Uh, we shall see. Let's see if we have any others. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break just to hear a word from our sponsor. If you're watching live, nothing's going to change. We'll be right back after this break. All right, Steeler fans, I want to make something very clear. I want to make it very clear as, as crystal as, as day. I'm not creating excuses. A lot of people are going to hear this and say, oh, Jeff's making excuses. He's making excuses. That 49ers team is really freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can, can we just state the obvious for one second? and say that that 49ers team who was, let's be honest, maybe a quarterback away from being in the Super Bowl last year is really good. That defense, I still will say, is going to be the toughest defense the Steelers will face all year. The rest of the 16-game slate, there is not a defense they will face that'll come close to that. And so I want to get that out of the way before we start diving into the numbers because sometimes you do have to take your tip the cap and say, you know what, we look like garbage but a lot of that was because of what they did because of how they played. So I'm not creating an excuse. I'm just stating what I feel like is an obvious fact. Dave, did you want to add anything to that? He didn't. What about you, Brian? Yeah, that is a very good football team. And you're absolutely right. If they do have a quarterback, they might be in the Super Bowl. They might win the Super Bowl. They might have been playing on Thursday night, possibly, not against the Steelers, though, because yeah. it would have been a home game. So that would have been a lot of different things. You know, we could, of course, we are going to uh, we are going to make some excuses here and say there's still reasons to watch 16 more games. Or do you want me to just say, hey, that's that's it. It's one game. I'm packing it in. I'm going fishing. You know, I'm not yeah. going to do it. Well, I, I think that the ultimate narrative right now that we're getting from not just our live chat, but social media is that it's, it's not so much that anyone thought this was going to be an easy game, but the fact that they never expected the Steelers to fall flat on their faces like they did in all aspects. And so what we're going to do, like we always do is we're going to break it down by the numbers. We are going to start with the quarterback position like we always do. And we're going to start with Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Shane Pickett, KP eight finishes 31 of 46. For 232 yards, he had a five-yard average. He did throw a touchdown to Pat Fryermuth, the only score of the game. He was had two interceptions. He was sacked five times for a 68.4 rating. I don't want to jump the gun and get too much into the offensive line here. I just want to focus on Kenny Pickett. Uh, Dave, I'll let you go first. What is your What are your thoughts on KPA? Well, he was not very accurate today. He really wasn't. I mean, he he would have had Deontay Johnson for a touchdown earlier. The the first interception where, yes, Deontay Johnson fell down. Deontay Johnson fell down because he was having to adjust so much because the throw was off. Now, I was also trying to tell if he got – if he had his arm hit or something on that on that same throw. Um, I never saw a, a clear view that said he definitely did, but I, I thought watching it live, it looked like it. But I it, it just – 
it just didn't seem like it was flowing together at all. And I understand there could be multiple things coming in, in, in with it, but uh, just accurate accuracy is something that you have to have as an NFL quarterback. And it just, I don't know if it was just a bad day or if that's what we need to be prepared for throughout the season, but it was, it was well below the line today. Brian thoughts on Kenny Pickett today. He did not look like the right guy, but that's today. Yeah. He, he was not accurate whatsoever. The passes were off the uh, you know, you could throw everything you could throw in all the uh, excuses that you want. And I'm just saying anybody that's going to going, that's not going to say that it wasn't Kenny Pickett. But if I have to put, if I have to pick a scapegoat, I thought that if his play was better, then there maybe are a little, do a little bit better in this game. Uh, You know, there, there were situations when remember the defense did not give up a whole heck of a lot of points in the second half. Now, of course, you adjust if you're the San Francisco 49ers and you're not throwing the ball as much and you don't have to worry about those those kind of things because that game is in hand. But when it's 21 to uh, 21 to 7 at halftime and you come out and next thing you know it's 27 to 7, but you had t- you had an opportunity to chip back into that game not saying they would have won just chip back in that game and kenny wasn't right today again that's today but that stat line that you gave us 31 of 45 or 30 31 of 46 Mm -hmm. that sounds a whole lot better than it actually was the performance was worse than that stat line oh it was absolutely worse than that stat line you know that this is something that i'm gonna harken back two fridays ago when I had on my Let's Ride podcast, Tim Benz of Trib Live Media. And he spoke openly about how the one thing he wanted to see in the preseason that he hadn't seen yet was the Steelers face any adversity at all. They didn't face any adversity in the preseason. The offense won five for five. Kenny Pickett looked brilliant and on point, And the offense scoring touchdowns, explosive plays left and right. He said, you never got to see what was going to happen if things went wrong. Because what we saw... Today, against the 49ers, looked a heck of a lot like the Kenny Pickett, say, in Miami last season on Sunday Night Football, when erratic at times, sometimes careless with the football, definitely didn't look like what we saw in the second half in terms of protecting the ball and moving the offense and just taking what's given. Now we get to see what that's going to look like. Are the Steelers going to come out next week and say, the handcuffs are on you, Kenny. You're not going to be able to, we're not opening things up. We, we did that last week. We're not doing it again. It'll be interesting to see. But Kenny Pickett, while everyone wants to bash Matt Canada, which is fine. You can. You have every right to. Kenny Pickett sucked today. And let's call a spade a spade. He was awful. And you could say the offensive line didn't protect. Sure. There were times that they did protect. And the ball, it it looked like it was coming out of his hand funny. It didn't look like it was on point. It didn't look like it was a tight spiral a lot of times. Just bad. Just bad. And what we always say, you know, give Mike Tomlin two weeks. He'll have a good plan. Not so much this game in terms of offensive preparedness and getting the, the quarterback ready. So I think we all agree that Kenny Pickett definitely not good. Definitely did not look good. So the one thing I want to talk about next is I want to go to the offensive line. 
we talked about how Kenny Pickett was sacked five times for 34 yards. The running game really wasn't any better. And I understand the game gets away from you. You have to lean on the pass. You throw the ball 46 times. The Steelers only had 10 carries. Najee Harris had 31 yards on six of those with a long of 24. Jalen Warren, three for six. And Kenny Pickett had one rush for four yards. Let's talk about the offensive line because you talk about those five sacks. Well, you look at who uh, who they gave him up to. I don't think – no, Nick Bosa didn't have a sack last no. I checked. So, Dave, we'll let you start. You're the offensive line guy for the group here. So what were your thoughts on the O-line in this game? Uh, let's see. There, I don't think they got enough surge in the run game, but what run game? I mean, they ran the ball 10 times, and one of them was Kenny Pickett scrambling. So – there, there was that. It's not like Kenny Pickett was running for his life on every play, but there was times where he had he had pressure on him. I would say the offensive line. I would not give it a very good grade, but I also don't think that you know the sky is falling. Oh, it's so terrible. What are they going to do? Either they just have to be better. They don't have to be overhauled. Um, and once again, it could just be a, a unit that might need a little bit more time to get there is my hope. But today it was just not, I mean, they were just taking out so much of their game. I mean, when you could only rush the ball 10 times, I mean, nine times, really, really just nine. How, how can you really go out there and establish uh, what you can do there? Uh, but well, that's what happens when your quarterback's inaccurate and you and the game gets away from you really fast. Yeah, and I, I will note that uh, speaking of the offensive line, there was an injury on the offensive line after the after the game. Mike Tomlin stated that Chuk's a core for is in the NFL's concussion protocol. So you have an extra day getting ready for a Monday night game on uh, in week two against Cleveland at home. Maybe that's enough time for him to clear the protocol. Remember, being in the protocol doesn't mean that you necessarily have a concussion, um, but there could be some changes there on the offensive line already after week one. Uh, Brian, what were your thoughts on the offensive front? Well, I I thought really bad play. And what I need to go ahead and look at is who was responsible for the three Drake Jackson sacks? Was it uh, – and I need to go back and look and watch, Dave. You might be able to help me out with that if that's something that you know. Was it number 78? Was it James Daniels? Or was it Chukes for? So I, I don't I, know. Honestly, I think I think one might have been Dan Moore on his first play over at the other side yes. after playing left tackle all day. His first snap over at right tackle. I remember seeing Jim happened. Wexel saying that that once once he got moved to right tackle, he gave up a sack. Yeah. Okay. I now when he moved to right tackles, Broderick Jones in there. Yes. I okay yeah, the, yeah. on the left side. Yes. Yeah. So you know it, it just wasn't good all the way around. Uh, you had some penalties uh, early. You had one from uh, Isaac had one. You had, of course, I think Chooks got nailed for one, but they didn't give Kenny a whole heck of a lot of time either. Yeah. And they let Kenny get rattled, but Kenny was still had a bad game. This uh, offensive line had a bad game. Let's hope that they find a way to pull it back together and we'll see what happens with one more day leading up to a Monday night football game. I, I, I swear it's going to be uh, interesting if Chooksakorafor can't play and Broderick Jones is forced in the lineup going in against, you know, Miles Garrett and company. And um, is it Zadarius? Isn't Zadarius Smith there now in Cleveland? I think 
Uh, yes, he is. yeah, he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did. So that, that should be fun. Let's get some super chats. Tyler W gives us $2 said made my day seeing Bosa pancake by mountain Washington. I didn't I see thought, that one. Oh, you didn't yes. see it. David, no. David did a replay slow-mo of it. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a nice that was a nice block by Mount. Was it was it wow? Was it during one of the many injuries where I kept either writing or having to update the injury article the whole time? Because <laughs> I, I miss know. stuff when I have to do that. So I I, 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 I got to go back and see that. Well, I don't want to see anything else, so maybe I can just find that one. Isaac Aguilera gives us five dollars. Said Kenny is worrying me. There's open players and he's not getting them the ball. Instead, he chooses to throw into tight coverage or double coverage. I, I think that we can all agree that, you know, we're going to be saying this a lot and that is, th- it was just bad all around. It was bad. So, okay, let's talk about, uh, we talked briefly about the running game, talked about the offensive line. Is there anything in particular about the running backs already listed their statistics, Dave, that you wanted to mention? It was, I mean, Najee Harris ripped off the nice run. Yep. Um, he just, they, they really did, you know, all, almost, not just split the carries, but but split their time on the field a good bit. That had to be really tough for for Najee to you know try to get rolling because it it just didn't work out that way. Yeah, he he seems like a back that he needs some carries. He needs to get some some mojo going. Brian, any thoughts on the running backs? No, I I actually thought they were fine. I didn't have a problem with them whatsoever. All right. Not that they tried to run the ball that much anyways. Yeah, so let's it, to, except for not yeah. getting their numbers called. Exactly. Let's go to the pass catchers now, in which case uh, the Steelers were led by Allen Robinson, who had five catches on eight targets for 64 yards. Deontay Johnson, three catches on six targets for 48 yards. Calvin Austin, the third, six catches, six targets for 37 yards. Uh, I thought that he had a, a really good game considering you know where he came from and missing all last season. Pickens ends up with five for 36 and seven targets. And then you have a couple, uh, Jalen Warren actually had five catches, but only 12 yards because they were all checkdowns. Uh, Pat Fryermuth catching the lone touchdown pass. What did you think of the pass catchers on this day? Dave, we'll start with you. Well, it's, uh, it's surprising to see that that was Fryermuth's only catch. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he could have – he had a chance at that other one where he got hit hard and now is dealing with, I, I expect to see him on the injury report this week yeah. uh, from that. I mean, it was a, it was a legal hit shoulder into the chest, but those, those can really, we'll have to, we'll have to see what, what that did to him. But that and was also left, one. He never left the game. Like he came back into the game. He returned. Yeah, He like, came back. So it's not that he didn't finish, right. but he was evaluated, you know, being evaluated for the injury. But once again, that that ball was not thrown where it needed to be. Um, even some of the catches were balls that weren't thrown where they needed to be. The the best throw of the day was the touchdown, yeah. In in my opinion, but when it came to the pass catchers, I liked what the receivers were doing when the ball got to them. Um, I know some people like to com- complain about all oh, Deontay Johnson. Uh, he, he, he avoids contact. He had the opportunity to go out of bounds and he went back into the middle of the field to try to get more yards and hurt his hamstring. So I'm not saying he did the, he did the, 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 the wrong decision because I like that decision, but he, he could have, he had the easiest, easy path out of bounds and he didn't do it. And he ended up hurting. And I just hope that doesn't affect affect him long-term for the season and more important to affect his mentality of, Hey, I fought for extra yards and got hurt. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, 
but I can't really complain about the pass catchers. Man, George Pickens trying to haul in that one-handed catch just with no room on the in the end zone and still almost got it. That that was yeah. ridiculous. But that's I, I can't say much about them. Bad. No, Brian, go ahead. You know, I think the uh, the receivers actually showed their depth in this game, especially when Deontay Johnson went out. Of course, you don't want to lose a guy like Deontay Johnson. I did not see many drops. I think there might have been a drop by Deontay Johnson. I'm not sure if the a hand got in there or not. I was uh, I was having trouble, you know, seeing that. And with uh, YouTube TV, I'm afraid to go back. In streaming, it's it was a whole lot easier to go back with DirecTV to go ahead and, and replay stuff. I'm always afraid that I'll get into some kind of weird buffering situation. So I don't know. I believe that was the, either the first quarter or the second quarter across the middle around midfield where uh, the ball looked like it was either dropped or you know just slightly tipped away. Do you remember which one I'm talking about? I'm I'm thinking it was the one that was like behind him and his knees. If that's the one I'm thinking of, okay. But there but were it, not. It, yeah, but it, it was it was a pass that was really off. If it, yeah. I might be thinking of a different one than you, we're not we're not talking about Kadarius Tony of the Kansas City Chiefs no. and that debacle from Thursday night, where the uh, the receiver showed up, showed off a little, and I, I liked it. I I like the aspect that you're getting from. Allen Robinson, I really think that he can be valuable. He's he is definitely not washed up. So yeah, the receivers, you're you're getting a lot of effort from them. Yeah, and that's really all you can kind of gauge is you know effort and things like that. Because well, if your quarterback has an off day, they can't throw the ball to themselves. So therefore, it's really hard to gauge you know an overarching group. For that now let's finish this offensive talk up with play calling because i think coaching does need to be brought up most games especially on a game like this where they just look so bad dave what do you think about play calling offensive coaching staff etc i've said the story so many times that when your players aren't executing it's really hard to 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 look at your play sheet and feel very confident with a lot of stuff. Now this is the NFL, right. you know, that that's, it's a whole different story. You should just, you just got to roll with your game plan or whatever. But to me, Kenny, it was obvious early that Kenny was off and I, I, I think it kind of put everyone off. I don't know cause and effect. People are going to want to blame Canada for everything. And I'm not saying that there, that he shouldn't be blamed. I'm just saying it's harder to evaluate when your quarterback is that inaccurate. So I simply, I simply don't, don't know, honestly. Brian, what were your thoughts on the play calling Canada, et cetera? Dave's absolutely right. But I will say this, they come out, they come out passing first, they get six yards. It's, it's a, it's small ball and I get it, but the second play, and I already talked about it. It wasn't a jet sweep. It uh, it was called a jet sweep by it's the like announcers. a pop pass, right? Is that yes. what it is? Yeah. The uh, the uh, announcers called it a jet sweep, so I I just fell into that and called it that. But I hated that call. I think you, you that's something you use later on. Don't use it when you're known for that, and when you're known for that, and it does not fool anybody. How's it going to fool somebody? on the first series. That's like, you know, 
good coaches yeah. are going to figure that out. That's scouting. You exactly knew right. that was going to happen. And I also, you know, I blame play calling when you don't go down the field. Now, we've had this, we talked about this a whole heck of a lot last year. And I know what Dave's going to say because Dave will say that you can't throw the long ball if the receivers aren't getting open. But it didn't even seem like they were trying to make those long plays. It just seemed seemed like same old play calling. Can, can can I ask a question? Do you guys remember? I don't remember where I know I tweeted about it. What was the play? I'm pretty sure it was on a third down, and it was Deontay Johnson going. It was just the one you were talking about earlier, Brian, going across the middle of the field open, and it was just the pass was nowhere. Was it would have been a touchdown. Well, no, no, I'm not even talking about the oh. touchdown. I'm talking about this was like maybe on the maybe maybe it was the third series. Perhaps I mean there were so many series at the beginning where they went three and out, but it was one of those. It was a third down, and I liked that they threw it in the middle of the field, and it was open, and the ball just—I mean, it just sailed high. There was there, there was no chance to. I mean, lucky it wasn't intercepted, but it, it, the one I'm thinking well, about I was that that they were trying to yeah. attack the middle of the field, but the execution of it was just bad. The one I'm thinking about was the crossing route where Deontay Johnson had a step on his guy. And actually, I think it was a single high coverage. So if they connect on it, it's either a touchdown or a big gain. Yeah. And the pass was behind him and low. It wasn't yeah. even close. And Deontay Johnson even puts his arms back behind him like, hello, like, why are you throwing it here? Like, lead me. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's a score. So, yeah. But I guess. the thing that's sad, I know we need to get back to, to the whole Canada thing, is that we're trying to remember which bad pass we're all talking about. <laughs> there were too many of them. That's 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 not a good thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the offense was bad. Seven total points. You talk all you want about, well, they could have kicked a field goal, made a 10, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, and some might say even that touchdown was as a risk with Mike Tomlin going for it uh, at the very end of the first half. Some say it's the only decision that he had. Well, no, he could have kicked a field goal and I wouldn't have been shocked if he did, but nonetheless, they stuck with it. So I'll tell you if what, it's a close game, the Steelers only score three points today. Yeah. If it wasn't 20 to nothing at that point, if it was 10 to nothing, then the final score would have been whatever to three because they would have kicked the field goal. Exactly. Okay. What we're going to do now is on the audio side, we're going to take a quick break. You'll hear a couple words from our sponsors. If you're watching live, we're going to be talking about the defense coming up right after this. All right, Steeler fans, it's time to talk about the other side of the field, which wasn't any better. The Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Uh, not only did they surrender 30 points, but just didn't look good in the process. So let's talk about how the San Francisco 49ers played, and then we'll diagram what the Steelers defense did, or in some cases did not do, to counteract that. So Brock Purdy, he finishes 19 of 29 for 220 yards, a 7.6 average through two touchdowns, no interceptions, three sacks, and he had a 111.3 rating. He did have a fumble caused by one Trent Jordan Watt. We'll talk about him. Two and oh, it's he, just two lost. he had two, but he only lost yeah. one of them. Yeah. That is correct. Let's talk about the receiving first. So Brandon Ayuk, he has eight catches for 129 yards, scores both receiving touchdowns that were thrown by Purdy on eight targets. Every time he was targeted, he caught the ball. Think about that. Debo Samuel is five for 55. George Kittle, three for 19. Christian McCaffrey, three for 17. Brandon Ayuk will be in my nightmares for at least seven days, maybe longer. Gentlemen, what did you think about the Steelers' pass defense in this game? Dave, we'll start with you. 
they only completed passes to four different players. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Well, the pass defense, I I, I do, I have to say this at some point where, because I said this before leading up to the game about Brock Purdy. I'm like, I want the Steelers to make 49ers fans start to question if they made the right choice with, with Brock Purdy. No, Steelers made the 49ers fans feel so much better about their choice to stick with Brock Purdy. He was out there. He was accurate. You know, maybe one or two throws that, that weren't as much. Um, he was calm. He was poised. But he didn't have to do everything because, my goodness, the the first touchdown to Ayuk, Patrick Peterson slipped. You know, the question was, someone asked, why are the Steelers slipping and the 49ers aren't? Uh, my answer is because the 49ers are used to playing on a field that sucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the other thing was that uh, that other touchdown catch, the coverage was right there. And that was just, that was a really good play. And then otherwise, he just seemed like he was always getting open. Um, the pass defense was not good enough. I felt Levi Wallace was playing off a good bit and was kind of disappointed uh, that I didn't hear Minka Fitzpatrick's name very much. And I'm not saying that's a cut on Minka. I'm just saying he was kind of the, the way everything was set up. I, I'd have to go back and really look at him to see how things were. But the n- nothing except for one small aspect of the st- of stuff with the Steelers today is going to, you know, sound good and so the pass defense no it just seemed like every time the 49ers needed to need needed a completion they got it yeah i'll bring up this super chat here before i throw it over to brian steel dog 88 gave us two dollars said levi wallace looked jv yeah. trying to cover Ayuk. uh levi wallace i thought had a really bad game to put it mildly mm-hmm. so uh but brian go ahead what are your thoughts on the pass defense pass defense was actually getting help from the pass rush. Yeah. They so we can't blame it on lack of pass rush. You could blame it on the fact that they were JV today. You did not there was nothing that really impressed me except for Patrick Peterson early on was making some plays, some pass breakups. He slipped also on that first touchdown to IU. Mm-hmm. Uh but I thought Patrick Peterson I did not think that he was a problem. I was actually encouraged by his play. It wasn't, but everything that you saw, it seemed like it was number 29 being victimized. It seemed like number 23, KZ, was being victimized as well. And like you said, we weren't the only time I really, really remember Minka was when he almost got a sack. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then again, they were putting the pressure, they were putting pressure on Purdy. That's not the thing. That wasn't the problem. The problem was he's got a quick release. He gets it out fast and he's accurate with it. So yeah, there's, there's probably going to be a change pretty soon in that defensive backfield. And Levi's probably going to be the scapegoat. He'll probably be the first one to get moved. Well, I'm trying to see here uh, if Joey Porter jr. Was actually credited with a, with a tackle. I'm not sure if that was on special teams. I don't remember him playing in 11 on 11 defense. I know he was out there maybe a snap or two, but I didn't, not where I ever really saw him. Right. So I don't know if that tackle came on a special teams play where he was credited with a tackle. I don't know, but there's going to come a time where they're going to have to wonder what's going on and what are they going to do with the secondary and make a Fitzpatrick, you know, you guys brought him up. I'm going to go back to something that Jeffrey Benedict said. This was, way back in free agency before Jeffrey had to step away from writing and podcasting for due to some family issues. And he talked about how, you know, when you look at Minka Fitzpatrick, 
the way he predicted them using the secondary with DeMonte Casey being the predominant center fielder and Keanu Neal, you know, being the guy that's in the box, if they want to run three safeties, but if they don't run three safeties, they have Minka Fitzpatrick more in that Terrell Edmonds role. He said that is the worst possible outcome you could have for the Steelers secondary. He said he is not as good there. He's not as effective there. And I kind of today saw what Jeffrey Benedict was talking about. The Steelers are going to have to do some work in terms of getting their secondary up to par, whether it's changing personnel, changing philosophies. It wasn't, it wasn't good. That's for sure. Let's get this super chat up. Hey, monster 19 is back as a dollar 99 said ugly loss. The sky ain't falling yet. Here we go. Thank you for the optimistic outlook. We do appreciate it for sure. Let's talk about the running defense and rushing defense. Let's talk about Steelers tacklers before we look at the San Francisco numbers. Quan Alexander led the Steelers with nine tackles, eight solo. Alandon Roberts, who I thought had a hell of a game, seven tackles, six of them were solo. Alex Highsmith, seven tackles. TJ Watt, five. Keanu Neal, five. Cole Holcomb, five. And then after that, it gets less and less. The rush defense, though, was it was something. And I will say that Cam Hayward left the game with a groin injury. He tried to come back and play and then left for good. Those things can linger. That can be a problem. DeMarvin Leal arm injury they had it labeled as an elbow during the game i think mike tomlin said it was more triceps or i don't know if he gave that much specifics he did say triceps but maybe it's i'm not sure what's going on with his arm but i think he was able to continue to play through the injury but let's look at this christian mccaffrey rushes 22 times for 152 yards a 6.9 average and then he had that 65 yard touchdown so even if you take the 65 yards away the guy's still gonna probably go over 100 if he wanted Brock Purdy rushed for 20 yards on three carries, Elijah Mitchell, 10 for five Debo Samuel, two for eight. It was bad. The rush defense was, was really bad. And Larry Ogunjobi, who was banged up, did play in the game. I think that's noteworthy, even though he probably wasn't hundred percent. Dave, what are your thoughts on the rush defense? Uh, it just didn't get the job done. What's, what's interesting about it is I can't, Part, that's why part of me wants to almost say San Francisco is really good at this. And I'm not saying I'm not doing that to absolve the Steelers. What I'm saying is I can't even specifically say that there was one thing that the Steelers was were, were doing uh, that was not that, that was bad that needed fixed because they, they were just getting run on. And that 65 yard touchdown, man, once again, I hate to pick on it, but man, Levi Wallace was really bad on that one. You know, and that's what sprung it out there to go. Um, but the 49ers, they they their offensive line was punishing. They were punishing. Now there was times where I saw some good things from the Steelers defensive line, but it but many times it wasn't necessarily in the run game. So they they, they just kind of got it, they just got out physical. It wasn't like anything really stood out there that they did. Not you know really bad. It's just I I just the only thing I could say is I got out physical. Okay, Brian, thoughts? <sighs> wow, that's all I've got to say is wow, Dave. You're absolutely correct. What I saw of the defensive line when they were uh, when they were rushing the passer, I thought it was fine, and I just talked about that earlier. What I so not a problem there, but the run defense was so poor. And, you know, it starts up front. You still have an entire front. So you've got to worry about, I, I just did not like what I saw there. 
It wasn't good. It wasn't good in any way you want to cut it. Uh, the Christian McCaffrey is a very talented running back. And, and again, like Dave said, you don't want to say it, but at the same time, you feel like you almost have to, that 49ers are really good at developing this running style and they have a really good offensive line. So uh, I, I do want to note that TJ Watt did have three sacks on this game. He was seemingly the only player who showed up and did a great job. He is now tied with James Harrison for the all-time Steelers sack leader. And I think he did it. I think I saw on Twitter he did it in 90 less games or something. Uh, uh, absolutely. Wow. In, like the number was just incredible. Like absolutely incredible. So, uh, Dave, if you want to talk about something positive, let's talk about Trent Jordan for a little bit. Yeah, that's it. If, if, if we're trying to, you know, talk about something good, this is the topic that you have. I mean, he, he got, he got home. Now this was also something that I talked about in our, in our X factor article at steelcurtnetwork.com. For those of you that are coming back to us that haven't been here for a while, we are at a different website, steelcurtnetwork.com. But he had, he had the matchup you needed to exploit. He had the weaker of, um, of the two tackles. One was possibly the best in, in the NFL. The other one is, is a journeyman. So that, that you don't necessarily want to have starting a tackle. So TJ Watt needed to take advantage of that. And he did. I like the fact that he got that, that he stripped the ball on two of the three sacks. So that was pretty much what you could take out of it is TJ Watt does TJ Watt things. Yeah. Brian, any thoughts on Trent Jordan Watt? No, I mean, just absolutely electric, another motor. And I was, yeah, I was hoping to see uh, Cam have that record for a minute before TJ took it for good. Now it's, it's TJ's. It's definitely TJ's. It looked, I mean, things slow down in season, but I've, I haven't seen TJ. I have not seen anybody else come up with three in the opener. So when you see something like that and you see a history of TJ Watt, you know, getting hot late, this could be another record-breaking year if he continues to be, I mean, he's definitely in his prime. There's no question about that. If he's as dominant as he is, he could be defensive player of the year again. Now, a guy on the other side of the ball, uh, Drake Jackson, he had three, but they weren't as dominant. They they were completely different sacks. So I'm not trying to diminish his accomplishment because he had he only had one and a half last year, and he has three. But TJ was a world beater. TJ did the things that you also expected Nick Bosa to do today. Nick didn't do that. TJ did. Yeah, Trent Jordan Watt. TJ Watt. He's special player for sure. We have some super chats to tend to. Let's get Andy Whitmire. He gives us $2. Said, Don't worry. Mediocre Mike will find a way to 500. Of course, that's what they all say. Pierre Blackwell gives us $5. Said, If you're going to lose like this, you want it to be the first game. If you want to smack in the well, mouth, you never, you never want to lose like no. this. But you want to really want to find mouth. a silver lining and you're going to pick one time to lose like this, that would be it. Well, yeah, especially an NFC opponent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wilson Pava gives us a dollar ninety nine over under twenty five TJ sacks and fifty five team sacks. Twenty five sacks. Like we're that's the line. 
Like that's incredible. That would smash the record because it, it's what 20. No, I'm mean, sorry. It's 23 and a half. That wouldn't be smashing it. But that's it still a, and 20, yes, a it's hell there. of an achievement. You taking the over under Brian. <sighs> I'll, I'll take the over. Okay. What the hell? 25. Yeah. Saying it's never been done before in the NFL. That's a, that's, that's the under bet to bet, but I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if he does it. Over on both. Why? Because why not? All right, let's go with uh, Tristan Schwartz gives us $4.12. Said 12 and 6, just investing in the Pittsburgh grit storyline. There you have it. All right, very good stuff. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, did I miss anything with defense, by the way? I, I want to make sure I got all the injuries. That's the biggest thing, too. I think I named all of them with Chooks, Fryermuth, Johnson, Cam Hayward, DeMarvin Leal. Yeah. So those are the injuries. I want to make sure we get those out of the way. Um, hopefully that some of them are short-term and not long-term, but some of those soft tissue things like hamstrings and groins can linger, and that can be a problem. Uh, let's talk special teams briefly because, well, it, it would should be brief. You look at the kicking situation. Boswell only had one attempt. It was an extra point. It was good. Presley Harvin, six punts, 254 yards, 42.3 average, only one inside the 20. He was uh, definitely not helped by like uh, you know drives that had first downs in the first half. Calvin Austin had one punt return for two yards, so not much to talk about. But Dave, any thoughts on Big Press? Who had a lot of action today? Um, his first punt wasn't very good, and that was one where you probably needed it the most. Yeah, um, it was. It was like everybody started off, eh, for the Steelers, even even with the with the first punt early and my goodness a fourth and one you're defending that early in the game that really changed well, let's just say this i'm not saying it changed anything it really set the trajectory tra- trajectory of the game yeah. um but the one part of the special teams that i would say that you didn't say anything about was probably the best part was they didn't just fair catch kickoffs and actually had some decent kick returns by, by Anthony McFarland. Yeah, they did. He was close to breaking a couple of them. Brian, any thoughts on special teams? Yeah. Anthony McFarland was the only thing that I'll really talk about there. Uh, Dave's right there. You're looking at fair catch situations. You're uh, Presley. I want to give him, I mean, I want to see what he does. Another week, there was situation. There was a situation where uh, he was. He had a. I think his worst punt was one that he was actually trying to get inside the uh, get inside the twenty, and he kind of pooched it a little bit on purpose. But it uh, brought that average down. But there was nothing the booming about Percy Harvin's business today. There you go, Presley. Yeah, big Presley. Press. You know what? <laughs> you- I- <laughs> I saw I somebody call him. It was coming. I saw somebody call him Percy on online, and mm. gosh, yeah, it's okay. Uh, let's finish this up with uh, just coaching in general. Uh, is there anything that you want to add that hasn't been said? We've talked about Matt Canada and the play calling. It can be about Mike Tomlin. Which I we got talked one about briefly. Dave, go ahead. All right, now it's one of the those things that that people want to criticize, and I I said it right away. And that was on TJ Watts first sack. You could see that he knocked the ball out and they called it. It wasn't even a fumble. 
you could see that. And then you saw Watt come away with it. And the 49ers get to the line and they're getting ready to run a play. And Coach Tomlin challenges it quick. At the time, I loved the call. You you really didn't have time to evaluate to see if you were going to win that challenge or not. And with a play like that, if you actually get that challenge, that could that could really change things for the game. Now, a minute later, after we got three camera angles at home to see that Brock Purdy somehow grabbed the ball behind his back, which there was no way they had they they were able to see that at that time. People were like, oh, that's a terrible challenge that they're gonna gonna lose. Try to make that decision in real time. I like saying, hey, we need some kind of spark. TJ just got a sack. It looks like he knocked the ball out. We can't get it. They're going quick. I'm throwing the flag. It's for it's for nothing, nothing else to give us a chance. If not, it's a timeout that we use that the defense could use. I I do I'm not criticizing going for that. But as soon as we saw the replays, we knew he wasn't going to win. And and that's all right. But you have to put yourself in that moment that they didn't have a bunch of time to do that. And at that point, I'm glad you were trying to do something for your team. Now, that's just about that specific circumstance. Otherwise, there's just not much other things to say, but I'm not going to criticize that particular thing. Brian, thoughts on the coaching? This was a team loss all the way around, including the coaching. Coaching was not good enough today, just like the defense, especially the run defense, was not good enough today, especially how Levi Wallace and DeMonte KZ on that side of the ball was not good enough today, just like Kenny Pickett was not good enough today, and just like the offensive line was not good enough today. There are some bright spots that we'll look at and we'll think when Jeff does his winners and losers, it's going to be lopsided. And I understand that, but there are some winners in this game, but not as many as that you need and that, that you hope. So this is one you've got, you've got eight days. You've got to get to get it together quick. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those situations where it's going to be a long eight days. We'll put it that way. Uh, So things will be a little off and we're going to have, Wall-to-wall coverage because this is just one game. There are still a there's still a lot of football left. This was ugly, but we're not going anywhere. Let's do some final thoughts here before we call it a show. Um, actually, before we do that, I forgot we have another super chat to get to. Occam's Ox gave us five dollars, four ninety nine. I'm sorry. Said nobody looked good, nobody looked sharp, nobody looked ready. People thought this was a warm up game. It wasn't. Hubris can be a killer. On to Monday Night Football. I like that. Dave, your final thoughts are what? My final thoughts were the Steelers were going to have to play were going to have to play extremely well to win this game. And the the preseason gave gave us fans a reason to think that they could. It was a glimpse into what could be. They just did not come out and play well. They they did not. They were they were not in the 49ers class today. Now if it was one of those division games, division teams, and you got to play them again later in the season, I would love to see how it would change at another time because the Steelers just didn't have it. But you know what? There were some other teams out there that didn't have it today. That's why one. That's why the this, this season is more than one game. Jeff alluded to it before. If you're going to lose a game, now granted, you don't want to lose a home game. That's one thing. But the least painful losses are ones that aren't in conference. So... 
I'm still thinking it's going to be interesting to see what the 49ers do with the rest of their schedule and the rest of the AFC North and everything else. Um, that's a team that I'm putting on a pedestal right now because they they had they came out with no rust. It seemed like they were a team ready to roll. But this is about the Steelers. You know, one game does it not a season does not make. If not, then Kansas City's in trouble. Man, the, the the Bengals are really in trouble. I mean, they can, they can only put up three points. They're really in trouble. So it is how you respond to it. And as fans, I would feel much better with a loss to a good team if it was a good close game and the other team just happened to win it. But if anything else, this is there's nothing the Steelers should be feeling good about now. And now they have eight days to say, hey, we can't feel good about anything. Let's get to work. And we've we've got to turn something around for Monday Night Football. Good stuff. Brian, final thoughts? I know you mentioned something earlier, but I'm sure you have something else. Yeah, you know, when I mentioned earlier that there were games, there were years when they went to the AFC Championship game and they completely laid an egg in the first game of the season. And that was uh, even in the 90s. I'm talking about the 90s and the 2000s. So I'm not talking about the glory years of the Steelers. But, you know, the only thing that I can go for right now with as crappy as I feel and all of us feel is I've got to go to some levity. And I've got to quote one John Belushi. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? German? (laughs) Forget it. He's on a roll. Hell no. wasn't over then and it ain't over now yeah so my final thoughts are are simple and it's that there throughout this week throughout the next eight games we as people that cover the team in any capacity whether we write whether we podcast whether we have a tv show it doesn't matter we're all going to be able to paint a picture it's going to be our own picture you're going to be able to paint your own in terms of how you view what just happened here sunday at one o'clock at acrosure stadium the one thing you do have to remember are the absolute facts. And some of the stuff that I'm mentioning are things like Brian just said, Dave just said, this is one of 17. And if you think back to some of the atrocious losses, not just last year, but go back to the Ben Roethlisberger era. Some of the games we mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, bounce backs do and can happen. So if you think right now that this is the be all end all, then I'm sorry, but that that's just not the way that, Anyone, including Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers, are going to view the way this season plays out. If they were on their high horse, guess what? They just got knocked off it really quick by a really good team. Yeah, so there's no one going to be going into week two's Monday night game thinking, look at us, we got that swag. No, you just got your butt kicked in front of basically a national audience and in, in, against a really good team. No, that that should humble you pretty quickly. So we'll see how the we'll see the picture that the Steelers paint because that's the only picture that matters when they take the field next week. I do ask that everyone's watching live, whether you're watching live on Facebook, if you just found us, give us a follow there. We appreciate it. On YouTube, give us a like, subscribe to the channel so that you get every single one of our live stream shows every evening. But there's so much more than that found only where you get your podcast. We have shows that are audio only, like My Let's Ride, Brian's Bad Language, Dave's Stat Geek. You can find them wherever you get your podcast. Just by searching Steelers, you'll see the Steel Curtain Network logo or search steel curtain network it doesn't matter the podcast platform you'll find us there gentlemen this game sucked it's good to end this one let's move on until next time we'll be back late on a monday night after the cleveland and browns for another post game show see you next time
Network. Get it. Everybody else gets a little tight.